Look at my butt. Show number 297 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Happy Shatmoy. Welcome, listeners. Yes, we're back. It's March now, suddenly. I don't know how that happened, but it suddenly is March. This <laughs> is the month of Shatmoy, of course, which is coming up soon. So yes. everybody should be laying in their supplies and getting ready to celebrate and do a marathon of TJ Hooker or something mm-hmm. like that. And your birthday is coming up. This is true. My birthday and Leonard's birthday and Bill's birthday all yep. coming up. And yep. Bill's going to be another year older. Um, he is going to live forever. So I suppose the years aren't that important anymore but he is still just cruising along <sighs> doing everything being at cons giving interviews he's everywhere he's yeah everywhere. i think like this upcoming weekend or the weekend after that he's actually going to be in chicago <gasps> really well there's it's... a some sort of con um... and and it's you know down at the uh i forget what it's called but anyway it's like walking distance or you know taking the subway distance for me but I'm just still worried about being around that many people oh sure of course and um even though I'm feeling good now because listeners don't know but I discovered the cure to um long COVID (laughs) the cure (laughs) (laughs) Uh I I don't want to push it too hard like being on my feet for hours I don't think is good yeah. So I'm going to have to miss that one, Bill. So sorry. Yeah. Well, is he coming to see you personally? Yes. I mean, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. No, I mean, no. He's there. He's going to be there. It's going to be, I think, well, didn't say it's one of the Wrath of Khan showings because uh-huh. it's part of the convention. Uh-huh. So I don't uh, know. I don't know. Who knows? There, there's. I can't believe that there are still so many conventions happening. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you look, it's like there they are. Everybody's yep. out there signing autographs and doing stuff. So you mm-hmm. know, good, good for them if that's yep. what they feel comfortable doing. Yep. Well, the most exciting news, and we are both just agog, simply agog. <laughs> uh, they're showing. They're they're calling it the teaser trailer yes. for Strange New Worlds. I know. So. I I watched it several times. Mm -hmm. There isn't a lot of information in it. I'll say that. No, there Um, isn't. It's, it's, um, but it's, it's very well done and Pike looks fantastic. Oh yes. And I believe that it's starting point is a follow-up to when he and number one and Spock were on discovery because he seems to be Uh sulky Pike. (laughs) And, Uh and he, it look from what from what the voiceover says, it sounds like he's not captain of the Enterprise, and I think he has taken some time off and maybe resigned. I don't know, to um to deal with the knowledge he now has of what's coming up for him. Mm, interesting. But I read an article, and maybe I didn't put it in the list. No, I didn't. What an idiot. Well, anyway, um, it was you know written by somebody you know somebody who's legitimate had seen the show. Or, or most of it, or whatever. Anyway, um, he was saying, so it starts out that way, but it turns happy really fast. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> and, you know, just reaffirming that um, it's going to be the optimistic Star Trek, the epi- episodic Star Trek, rather than arc, you know, season-long arcs. And uh, I just could not 
be happier. I, I completely agree. So that was the one thing that worried me just a little bit mm-hmm. from, from watching it. I thought, oh, no, is this going to turn into like it's all about Pike's backstory and we're mm-hmm. going to have to delve deep into his rationale and all the rest of it. It's like, I don't want that. I, yeah. I want I want episodic. Let's go out there and explore those strange new worlds. That is what I want. Well, that was one of the things I was thinking. You know, I was thinking about the title is Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. So if they spend the whole season visiting places where Kirk eventually will be, but in our minds, they've already been discovered. Uh, that's not too cool. They need to get out there and find some new things. Some new things. There's got to be new things out there. Come yeah. on. It's a big galaxy. It, it is. It is. So, yes, I was extremely excited to see that. And Indeed. I always love to see our very beardy uh, second favorite captain. He looked. He looked oh, yeah. Good. He really yeah. did. I can't wait. It's going to be so good. I know. Um, so in the meantime, of course, there's so much other track happening. So we both miraculously have caught up on both Picard and Discovery. Yeah. Yay. Uh, so let's let's talk about Discovery first. Okay. Just because um, I have to admit, as I have been along, it's a real chore for me to watch Discovery a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are a lot of things about it that I am not happy with. There are some things that I love that mm-hmm. I think are really good. So I I was going to hand this over to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and well, I want to hear you talk about the things that you like about it, and I want to see if we agree on that. Okay. Well, um, I liked Tarka. Uh huh. Then I'm not sure I really like the direction they took him in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same with book. You know, I, I like book a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's going to have another thing to feel guilty about. Yeah, And he's absolutely. been guilty yes. all season. You yep. Know? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, I, I, In my eyes, every episode, Michael pretty much proves she shouldn't be captain. Totally. Oh, I, we were waiting, like watching it and watching it going, okay, when are they going to get to the part where they say, you know what? You really shouldn't be the captain. And it, it's... <laughs> It's like um, they haven't let her fail, right? Like, right. N- except she did fail because when she finally caught up with Booker and Tarka, she should have killed them, mm-hmm. right? Like that was sort of her brief was to to stop them in any way possible. Or at least arrest them, you know. Arrest them, stop them, whatever. And she mm-hmm. completely failed in that mission. And there was no blowback from that whatsoever. Right. And that was very disappointing. I think they should have made a much bigger deal out of the fact that she couldn't do it. Right. Um, I like the character, and I don't remember her name, who who plays the pilot. She has the reddish hair. Uh, Detmer? Yeah. Detmer, that's yes. I like is. her. Yep. That character, to me, is developing in... Uh, a believable way not okay this is an episode where we develop all these other people you know <laughs> uh-huh. or you know something like that I like that character the rest of them uh other than Saru I really don't have any any feeling for except for Tig Notaro oh, who uh wonderful <laughs> she's she's great and the thing is you know she's playing that persona that she has developed on her own over uh-huh. years of stand-up and everything that's one of the few characters who really feels like they're in the military. Yes. Yes, I agree completely. Yep. Yeah. Because that's one of the things yeah. that's bothering me. It seems more like a fraternity, sorority, or something, you know. Yes. It's too loose. 
It's, you it know. It really is. So this is a, a thing, and, and I'm wondering, you know, I guess they're doing this on purpose. You got to assume at this point that they're, um, the writing is going in a certain direction and they're going for a certain feel, but it really doesn't feel like there's any hierarchy anymore. Right. Um, you know, like the captain isn't really the captain and everybody on the bridge is like work colleagues and nobody outranks anybody else. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's weird, man. It doesn't feel like Starfleet to me. And again, I, maybe that's what they're going for. Like they don't want it to feel like traditional Starfleet, but. I think it, it's a development mm-hmm. of uh, the J.J. Abrams feel you know where that's like mirror universe kindergarten starfleet or something but you know everybody's it just seems you know none of the emotions are adult emotions in that and so this where because and it's real fan service because you know the dream is oh i would love to be on the enterprise and be buddies with everybody and so now we're seeing the buddy enterprise yeah yeah oh i think that that's it's not the enterprise but you know what i mean yeah yeah no you're right it is it's a very it's much more buddy buddy than it is like that and it's funny because when i i watched the last two discoveries that i had needed to catch up on last night and then i watched an episode of tng immediately afterwards and the difference is shocking right Mm -hmm. especially that particular episode of tng where there was an admiral and the admiral clearly outranked Picard, and Picard mm-hmm. had to say yes, sir, to the admiral. And then yep. there was Riker, and then there was Data. Like it was really clear what kind of hierarchy there was, and yep. I just don't get that feeling from Discovery. I wish there was a little bit more of that. And the other thing, this annoys me and has annoyed me all through it. Um, in the middle of an actual crisis. There's always time to step aside and talk about your feelings. Oh, that too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no. And, you know, I mean, you think of uh, the one where, you know, the the pizza creatures or whatever, you know, <laughs> are there and there's Kirk's nephew and everything. He acknowledges that. And yeah. there is a moment, you know, where he talks to Bones about what is going to happen to him. Yeah. But... It's not at the height of the crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It it seemed like all of these hallway conversations were just happening every five minutes. And mm-hmm. Like, in a, in a way, I get that. Like, wouldn't it be nice if that's the way it really was? Like, when there was yes. a stressful situation, that there was time for you to step aside with somebody that you trust mm-hmm. and go like, hey, how you doing? Like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Like, let's check in and make sure you're okay. Wouldn't well, that be great? But that never happens in any situation. And for a captain, Michael is far too big on consensus. Yeah. yeah. We have not seen her make an unpopular decision. Nope. And more or less say, shut up. The decision is made. Go do your job. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And that's part of what gives it the non-military feel. Yeah. I think that that's exactly right. Um, there, The parts where she was being more captainly in the more mm-hmm. recent episodes, I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, when they had to figure out the language stuff. And so she assembled everybody and was like, okay, go. Everybody do options and start to brainstorm that. I was like, mm-hmm. good. That's the way it should be. Like, you're mm-hmm. in charge. You're saying everybody pitch their ideas. And then you make the final decision on what happens. Good. Right. That's the way it should be. But I also don't understand the relationship between her and the Federation president. Yeah. It's weird. Like, 
what's the what's the order and and that goes for the the general of of the earth and the, the you know whatever the the earth i can't even remember what they were calling it but you know mm-hmm. it's not just the earth it's other people as well um so who's making the decisions here you know it seems yeah. like it keeps going back and forth and i don't know that the president of the federation has authority on a, a starfleet ship or maybe she does well i, I thought <laughs> one realistic moment was between the two of them when uh burnham finally said i am the captain of this ship yeah you know yeah so it's just it's not clear i i think mm-hmm. all of that stuff should have been far clearer up front and you know like how do the crew feel about that right if you're on mm-hmm. the bridge and you see these two like you know looking daggers at each other and and know that they're not in agreement over what's going to happen i don't think that would feel very good you yeah know? you, you yeah. kind of want a united front there um also i have to say i agreed with the president when she said not to tell the crew that the dma was going to eat earth and navarre <laughs> I was just like, no, don't tell them. Just don't, don't tell them. Don't tell them now. Tell them later, but not now. So it's true. <laughs> you know what I was thinking though? This last episode, which is the one right before the finale. Yes, that's what's been on, and I was watching yeah, it. Yeah. I was going, this is actually a pretty good episode for them. You know, things mm-hmm. are moving along. Things are happening. We're seeing. People actually, you know, work together and we're seeing Book and Tarka ready to kill yep. each other. And for some reason, they um, kidnapped. I keep calling her Tig Notaro, but I know her name is Jet. <laughs> Reno. Reno. Jet Reno. Reno. Okay. Reno. Okay. But I was going, this actually is a good episode. And you know what? If you take out all the the crappy episodes there have been and just focus on this arc. This thing of the DMA, mm-hmm. and it's going to eat everything, and then it's going to eat Earth first. That could have made a good movie if you mm-hmm. weeded out mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah, that's true. But there's just too much foot dragging to get 12 episodes, or however many it is, out of it. Yeah, so you had mentioned to me in email that you thought that some of these episodes were a lot of filler, and I mm-hmm. completely agree with that. There there were at least two episodes that could have been compressed down to about 10 or 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and it would have been fine, and everything would have moved along so much faster. Right. And again, what they're trying to do is, you know, build these characters and show all these relationships, and that's great, but boy, it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, that they're just having these long conversations, and like, uh, I don't know, man. I just don't see that that would be happening. Yeah. So um, I want to talk about the stuff that I really did like, though, because okay. there were a couple of things, and I'm sure Go. you can guess one of them. Um, one thing that I, I liked, and I like it because it's so subtle, is that all of the characters, almost all of the characters who have all the responsibility are women. Yes. And it's just, that's the way it is. So I was the thinking president that. And Burnham when I was and the general it. and, and the mm-hmm. president of Navarre, uh, Tarina. It was like, cool. This mm-hmm. is actually really good. And that a lot of the conversations between important characters are not white people, which yes. is also great. You know, mm-hmm. like that whole scene with Book and the general, I was like, this is great. 
this is really cool. Like, how cool is it to have them both be not white people interacting like this? And, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't see it. And, and again, I watched an episode of TNG right after that, which is just filled with white people. Oh, and you're yeah. like, oh, man, this is bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think they're doing a fantastic job just filling the screen with people who aren't white and that's mm-hmm. you know wow it took so long to get to that point and here it yep. is and it's it's effortless like you don't you yep. don't feel it at all you know the way stupid people are like oh it doesn't have to be their main character well it's not it's not their main characteristic it's just mm-hmm. it's who they are so that's cool yep. i like that a lot um so that has just been sort of i i am making myself notice it as i'm watching it because i mm-hmm. think it's so refreshing it's just it cool. is it's really good and it's completely believable yes you know sometimes when they say well let's you know make it my more diverse they sort of um, shoehorn in somebody to maybe be somebody else's friend or yeah you know it's like what but yeah this feels natural very very natural so that's all cool mm-hmm. and then um the other thing that i loved of course is the linguist the astro linguist yes dr head i knew you would love that he's like my new favorite character i love him because he eats throughout all the meetings which is awesome <laughs> oh, I was going, he's like um what's his name was in galaxy quest oh he yes like um uh tech sergeant uh tech sergeant chan yes, yes. Yeah, he's, and he's just super chill and really rude to people sometimes. <laughs> yep. And, um, he had that when after the relic told him to be more uh, supportive, and then he said something really blunt, and then he turned around and he was like, "But great job!" But he had a little thumbs up. It was so funny. <laughs> yep. So, so all the linguistic stuff that they did, I thought was really good. Except I did get the feeling, sort of halfway through that episode, that the writers turned to each other and said, "Aren't we just rewriting the movie Arrival?" I was thinking that too. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very similar to Arrival in a lot of ways, except we're doing math instead of written symbols. But, you know, whatever. That's okay. Well, Um, I thought it was interesting that after how many millions of episodes and movies and everything that we've seen, we saw them encounter or close to encounter an alien race that the universal translator could not do a thing with. Yes, exactly. They so, had to use their brains. They had to use field methods and linguistics to figure yes. out what they were doing. And, and they got it right. So there must be a linguist. Well, maybe they asked Mark Okrand. They probably did ask Mark Okrand. I yeah, should ask him yeah. if, he, if he told them how to do this properly. Um, so that was cool. I was really happy to see that. And I thought... It was a very good portrayal of how you have to do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were one of the, I think it might have been Rillick who was like, but we're just mimicking stuff. And, and Dr. Harai was like, well, that's how you do it. That like you have to establish that you understand what the other person's doing mm-hmm. first before you can even attempt any kind of communication. Yeah. So. I really, really enjoyed all of that. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons I thought this was such a good episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it had a lot of good science fictional elements to it. And right? they couldn't solve it with the computer. Yes, they couldn't solve it with the computer. Yes, what an excellent point. Yes. yes exactly right. Yep, they had to use their little brains oh, to do it. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah, to think outside the box. Um, I am really loving the uh, weird courtship between Saru and uh, Tarina, which 
is just adorable. Uh-huh. Like they're so cute with each other. And I love the fact that the woman who plays Tarina mm-hmm. is tiny, right? She's like five feet tall. Yeah. And Doug Jones is like, you know, seven feet tall. And so he's wearing you see platform the two of them, shoes. <laughs> you see the two of them together and she's so little and he's so tall. It's just I love it. Yep. It's, it's a lo- lovely, very lovely. Mm-hmm. So they're good and they're very cute together and, and I very much appreciate them introducing that. That was an unexpected pairing, right? Mm-hmm. Like who would have predicted that that's who we'd get to focus our will they or won't they on. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's really good. Uh, so that that I'm really loving. Um, and you're right about Tarka. You know, I, I knew he was going to turn out to be either crazy or evil or whatever. Or like both. we all did, right? Yeah. Or both. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess it's just in this last episode, they already had a time constraint, right? Right. Like the DMA is going to eat Earth and Navarre, so they had to do it. And I guess that wasn't enough for the writers. So they had to introduce yet another time constraint now, which is that because Tark is in charge, they have to find him and stop him from doing whatever he's going to do before he destroys the DMA and, you know, basically blows up half the galaxy is what it sounds like yeah. is going to happen. I don't know. And it, his motives are all pretty vague. They and are. why he thinks doing what he's doing is going to solve his problem. So this is my question now. Like, does he really think that he's going to be able to use that power source to get to wherever he thinks he's going? Or is that just bullshit? I don't know. That That's, you know, the, the crazy part. But he's up until then, up until the crazy part, he was like so smart, just snapping out the answers and yeah. building a, a working replica and everything in like five minutes. And, you know, so I ex- was accepting this is a really super bright guy and we're going to see him have to, you know, go up against in real world. Kirk yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Spock, yeah. you know, to convince him to do what he wants. And but it didn't it didn't go that way. No, it's very weird. Um, and you're right about uh, Reno. I I was really happy that they made her be the one who got kidnapped mm-hmm. because, of course, she is the worst person to kidnap. Because <laughs> she's too smart and snarky and all the rest of it. Um, and she was very good. Yes, like, they really showed her sussing out the situation and and kind of looking at his equations and working out what was going on and then biding her time until she had the opportunity to say something. Mm -hmm. So it it was all really good. She's such a good character. I think I read somewhere that they had wanted to have her in the series more, Mm -hmm. but because of COVID restrictions, Mm. um, she could only go for shooting on a certain number of set days. So uh, we would have seen more of her if it hadn't been for COVID. Well, speaking of her being kidnapped, (laughs) <laughs> she's it doesn't matter what somebody's iq is like tarka or something she's the smartest person in the room and yes. if she were really kidnapped she'd say you know you could get a lot more money than you're asking for <laughs> you know, she'd just take over the whole thing straighten it all out yeah i i think that that's right she's great mm-hmm. she's so good Oh, discovery so i'm glad that i'm caught up i really don't know how they're going to resolve this right like if they do a cliffhanger, oh, that's it. I quit. Um, <laughs> but do you think that they'd actually go so far as to let Earth get destroyed? I mean, well, we, they let Vulcan get destroyed in the movie. I so, know, but we're not. Know. Are we supposed to be in the movie timeline now? 
now we're still in the prime universe. Yeah. This, this is oh, yeah, because universe. Vulcan exists, duh. Yeah, um, that's right. That's the way you can always <laughs> tell. Yes. Um, I don't know. You know, all these shows are big on cliffhangers, but I kind of feel like it. their story arc is not broad enough to handle even three or four more episodes, much less all of next season. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like they need to wrap it up, don't they? Mm -hmm. Somehow. I wonder. I wonder what they're going to do. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anything could happen, basically. Um, And maybe if the aliens turn out to be okay, um, you know, that that will lead the way for some stuff in the next season. Yes. Like, that'll turn into something else, Mm -hmm. eventually. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because they were starting to establish something with the aliens when Tarka pulled his, you know, yeah. big deal. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. I so, guess so. Um, so that's Discovery. Now, uh, let's talk about Picard for a minute. Yes. Jean-Luc Picard show, which I am really enjoying so far. And it, it, it's interesting how so different it is from Discovery, right? Mm-hmm. Like, tonally, it's different acting is aimed differently the pacing is completely different oh, this yeah. is one thing i really like about it is that it's super fast like things are happening mm-hmm. really really quickly and i think that that's good i think it's it's the plot that they're establishing with getting thrown around in time really needs to happen at, at an incredibly fast pace so that we all feel off kilter just like the characters do mm-hmm. right like you're never allowed to be comfortable because something is always happening or about to happen or you have to get someplace it, it's not happen. stupid stuff <laughs> yes it, it's all plot related it's like pe- people aren't talking about their feelings they're just going on yeah. and getting stuff done so and i am just delighted with all of the um mm-hmm. the acting it's good. is good like it's it's all really good. Everybody's on point. I love John Delancey. He's so good, um, and his interactions, Q's interactions with Picard mm-hmm. are really good. Like they're just so disgusted and with each other. Really I really hilarious. love him with a, a beard, and yes. I want him to always wear that coat. <gasps> his. I wonder if he stole those costumes because oh, he looks so good. In, in that stuff. He looks really pretty uh-huh. amazing. John Delancey must have been so happy when costuming came out and they were like, would you like this beautiful dark coat that makes you look like a god? And he was yeah, like, yes, I'll, very, take, I'll that. take that. <laughs> that sounds really good. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm, I'm just delighted with everything. But here's the thing that I don't understand, and maybe we're not meant to understand it. They keep talking about where they are now. So they Q pops them from regular prime timeline to to the not um, ready for prime timeline oh god so he moves them let let's say he moves them laterally right it's the same year i assume but just a different timeline that's diverged from the one that we are currently in okay and i thought he was sending them back to the uh crux point where it like me too off but no, no, but he didn't. When they have to do that themselves, they have to do the old slingshot around uh-huh. the sun trick, which apparently they're going to do in the next episode. So good for them. But what's the difference between this alternate timeline where they are now, where Seven is the president of whatever she's mm-hmm. the president of, and a different universe like the mirror universe? Aren't, aren't they the same? Well, I mean, the same thing. They weren't saying that. 
in a way, it almost says, you know, when you make a decision and we've sort of established our belief that 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 branches right into two different universes right okay uh-huh. it's almost like saying well yeah maybe that does happen in some cases like the mirror universe but in others this alternative still is hanging around or existing in some strange <laughs> way or maybe q is just so knowledgeable and all powerful because he says he found the point and he did the tiniest change he could possibly do it didn't exist but he sort of brought it into being it may turn out to be a giant hologram you know i thought about that too you know maybe he's just Mm -hmm. fucking with them and it's all an alternate reality that he created specifically for them to to pass whatever test he thinks Mm -hmm. that they need to pass so that's also possible but i i just wish Boy, I'm, that's a big wish. I wish they were more consistent when they're talking about alternate <laughs> timelines and universes. Like, what are the facts? I need yes. the facts here. As if there are any facts to be had in this. Well, there were a um, couple shockers to me in this one. Well, that, oh, yeah? that like first what? scene, you know, long scene with um, Jean-Luc and Q. Mm-hmm. And when he says, Q, what's wrong with you you're not well i'm like oh, yeah. how, how, what, yeah, what yeah. does a cue get you know um <laughs> yes, that, that was one kind of yeah, like putting a kinda, little bit of you know knocked there. me yeah. over and oh god what was the other oh man i thought the board queen was super yes with she all her really weird good twitches um, and and mumblings because she was cut off from the hive and i thought that was that yep. was really good and um Oh, there was something else that made me go, well, oh, there's one thing in, in there I just really don't like. And it's the the woman whose name is Agnes. Yeah, Gerardi. She's the there Tilly, isn't she? Yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah, she's just, I, I mean, I get that that's her character and all that, but she's yeah. kind of annoying. So yeah. maybe she'll stop I'm just doing mm-hmm. it quite so much. Um, yeah, I thought the Borg Queen was great. Um, all of the, you know, it took them a little while to put the, the band back together, but I'm glad that they did it quickly. I have to say, I love Elnor. I love mm. him more now because he he is like totally off balance. He's just come out of Starfleet Academy and he's thrown into this thing. And yet he is like this little ray of Romulan <laughs> sunshine in the world. And I loved when they were all standing around, when they finally all came together and they were comparing notes on what was happening. And, and Picard's like, well, I appear to be this general and blah, blah, blah. And Elnor pipes up and he's like, and I'm a rebel. <laughs> like he had been assigned I know, in, that, the in the school play. play exactly. you know? <laughs> You're just a carrot, but I'm asparagus. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a rebel. He sounded so happy. Like I have a part to play. <laughs> he, this he's is guy. great. <laughs> he is guy. He is very much guy in this. Hey, the 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 uh, guy who came in the the very big shuttlecraft to pick them all up is he a regular uh-huh. character? Because you got to remember, I didn't watch any of last season or maybe one or two episodes. Uh, so um, the Rios, guy, his last Chris, yeah, Chris Rios, Rios, yes, he is a main character. Oh, okay, because I like him. Yes. yes, he's very good. Um, he was uh somebody who featured a lot and one of the funniest things he's he's a very good actor i should uh, point you to one of the episodes that you should watch but he has a ship 
and um, La Serena, which is still mm-hmm. the ship that they're on. Um, and he had created holograms to do stuff on the ship because he didn't want to have a crew. Yeah, I got that like impression. Um, <laughs> and so each hologram he made was for a specific thing. So there was an EMH and there was like a, a historian and I forget. There was He made like all these different holograms and each hologram had a different personality and a different oh accent. God. And the actor did all of those flawlessly. Oh, wow. It was oh, so good. There were several where he, fun. yeah, where he kind of went back and forth, and you know, he'd pop up with like an Irish accent, and then it mm-hmm. was it was great. He's really he's an extremely versatile actor, and I just thought, you know, the the writers obviously were like, listen, buddy, you're good at this. We're gonna yeah, let you run yeah. with it and go crazy, and it, it was totally deserved. Really, really. You really know, good. one thing that is jarring to me is either he's playing it this way or he is this way is um picard is very old he is i know he's a little yeah and his voice sounds weak and even when he you know tries to snap out a command and it you know it comes out and everything but it's still i don't know seems like it's at 70 percent yeah I think that's just I think Patrick Stewart is a little old man now but I also think he's doing that on purpose to show you know he's not an action mm-hmm. hero anymore he's not the Picard that he was you know he he's he's got a synthetic right. body now like good for him but he's still sort of not completely with it and i think they've done a good job and patrick stewart's very good showing how yes. off balance he is when he, when he arrives like just being confused and not knowing how to act and you know the way he's in the the current fascistic uh, mm-hmm. confederation even the way he's interacting with the servants like he's not pretending yes. well enough right because they ask him they're like is there something wrong with you and, and he's like no everything's fine but he can't yeah. he just can't do it and i i like that i like seeing him not be the guy who's 100 percent in control and knowing what he's doing well at all times. not having it's seen good. him do anything acting wise for many years you know i was like <laughs> oh wow is is this acting or is this real because in some ways he seems kind of feeble you know yes and I want uh-huh. it to be acting I, I because I would like long. to feel that he still has vitality. <laughs> well, I think I think he does, but he is also legitimately mm-hmm. an old man. Oh, at Bill's this point. not, and he's, <laughs> he's. But no one that's is William true. Shatner. That's the thing, you know. Like, come on, you can't expect anybody right. to be that way. So, um, and plus, you know, they paired him with a cast of very yes. young people. So he, I think by contrast, he just looks and feels like he's from mm-hmm. another era. And that's, that's good. It's a good contrast. That was something have. that was striking me for maybe the first time in Discovery is how young everyone is. Yeah, they don't they have, are. you they know, really like a, a seasoned veteran like Scotty or somebody who to me always came off and McCoy as, you know, older than the rest of them, not, you know, ancient or anything. No, totally agree, except for Saru. He's the only one. And he should be captain. I say this every time I sit down to watch it. It's like, could you? Saru should be the captain of the ship. He really should. Um, One more discovery note. Um, Fucking stop whispering. (laughs) 
it came back. It came back in the last couple of episodes, especially for Burnham. And I was like, come on, can't you do something else? It's really well, annoying. I have read a couple of articles uh, now of people complaining in general about um, not being able to understand uh, what people are saying on TV. Sometimes it's because of the balance between music and speech. And the other yeah. thing is the whispering. And someone in commenting on it said, if you get a really good sound bar, it helps. And I thought, I'm not going out and invest in some pricey piece of equipment so, you know, when I've got um, subtitles. But yeah, it came back and that's like so bad. It's so bad. Just stop doing it, man. It's annoying. Nobody they all wants went you to, to do the it, whispering really. acting school. Uh, it, it doesn't, like, I think I know what they're trying to do, right? Trying to make it sort of passionate but very mm -hmm. low key and and not wanting to yell okay good don't yell that's good not yelling is good but you don't have to go to the extreme in the right. opposite direction it, it's it's such an acting tick it reminds me of um do you remember when george clooney was on i ER do because i saw a couple episodes I, I used to watch it very faithfully, and he developed the acting tick of ducking his <gasps> oh, head. Oh, yes. I've heard people talk about that. And it was like just a thing that he did, and then other people started doing it too, and he developed it for some reason, and it was to like convey mm -hmm. sincerity or some shit like that. I don't know what it was supposed to be doing, but it was just an acting tick, and then people got over it, and they stopped doing it. And that's what's going to happen yeah. with the whispering, is that people are going to get sick of it, and they're going to stop it. But there it will mm -hmm. be immortalized in Discovery forever. <laughs> when um when ER was on, I think I only watched like one entire episode, but he was, I think, rescuing a child from a drain or something. <laughs> and I always called him Young Dr. Young. I have no idea what his name was. But I'm sitting there going, go, Young Dr. Young. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, I tell you what, let's take a little break. Yes. Um, we have some other actual different, not Discovery or Picard really related news. To yeah, sort to. of. Um, so, yeah, let's cover all that stuff. But, okay. Yeah, I, I need a drink. I'm very thirsty. Oh, yeah, now I need to get talk. a refill. So we'll be back. <laughs> Space, a final frontier. <laughs> These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Okay, we are back. We are. And now, even though we are still moving forward in time, we're <laughs> going to talk about time travel. And the headline on this, it's on Inverse, is Star Trek just retconned a Spock superpower <laughs> in a crucial way. Super. And first of all, that has always, they yes. did that too often in TOS, giving Spock new superpowers that nobody knew about. But now, yes. uh, the gist of this article is when uh, 
they went back in time in uh, Star Trek Four, the one with the whales. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Spock did all these calculations to get them there. But he also said, I will have to guess. But they're saying, okay, mm-hmm. now suddenly this is more than just doing math. It's the ability to like see time in a whole different way. So this article mm-hmm. was super interesting because to be really honest, I'd never thought about this before. <laughs> um, I never had either. It has one line in it, though, I have to, to, to mention because it made me laugh so hard. But part of the reason it made me laugh so hard is I said it first. <laughs> Where they say, um, of some course. Vulcans are just good at math. In one of my rude people uh-huh. stories, I don't remember which one, you know, Spock comes up with some solution and Kirk, you know, thinks to himself, wow, I didn't know he could do that. I thought Vulcans were just good at math. (laughs) So I was always very proud of that. Then somebody else used it. So that's cool. Well, that doesn't surprise me one little (laughs) bit. So that's totally fine. But, you know, like, so in Star Trek Mm 4, when that happens, I never questioned it. I never thought like, what makes him so yeah. special or whatever. I was just like, like, whatever, I accept it. And I, it didn't ever occur to me as a special thing. Well, that's thing. because we are so bought into that universe, that movie, the events. You know, these people yeah, who can pick yeah. up stuff to pick apart on first view of anything, that astounds me. Uh, totally. Um, so they say in the article, Gerardi uh, says, uh, Spock had an intelligence that can isolate the divergence and micro shift for any chronotronic radiation. And I mm-hmm. heard her say that in Picard and I just glossed mm. over it completely. It's like just techno babble, like whatever, reverse the polarity, whatever you're saying, bounce the rays <laughs> off the deflector dish. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like whatever. But apparently that was really important and someone's written a whole article about it. So um, sure, I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and so now I guess that opens the question if Spock was able to do that because of all of his past time travel experience on the Enterprise and as a child and all Mm -hmm. the rest of that stuff um, does that mean there are other people besides the Borg Queen who can do that as well or what I don't know what does it mean I don't know know if it means anything either but speaking of the Borg Queen she's gonna betray them all and fuck it up of course okay of course of course yeah yeah um yeah, and is this something other Vulcans can do? Not necessarily all of them, but some of them? Or is Spock completely unique as he is in every other way? Every other way? I don't know. I, I have absolutely no idea. And and you'd think that maybe some other species, um, like uh, Medusians maybe, would be more attuned to that kind of thing because they're incorporeal and... You know, like maybe time isn't the same to them as mm-hmm. it is to everybody else. Well, I don't know. Yeah, you know, there are several I can think of. The ones who were living on the planet like peasants, and they only took that form to make other people comfortable. Organians, oh, the thank Organians. you. And, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's cool that they picked up on something and kind of as this article says they mm-hmm. retconned it and then made an explanation for it so it to me it just feels that they're answering a question that nobody actually yeah, asked yeah, but that's, that's fine okay. <laughs> we can deal with it i can deal with it that's fine so i just think it's so funny that they're doing the slingshot around the sun thing which 
you know, the first time that they did it on on TOS, you were like, ooh, time travel. And by the third time they did it, it was like, oh, this again. God, okay. We've whatever. already been there. <laughs> We've done it. That's it's easy. It. Just do it. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Um, do you want to talk about Nivar? Yeah. So I think we might have mentioned this one time before, but it's nice to see uh, more of a confirmation of where that came from. Okay. I... When when they first said, yes, we changed our name, it's now Nivar. And I was like, I've heard that somewhere. What was that? And in this article, it says, mm -hmm. the word Nivar was first coined by the fan fiction writer and linguist Dorothy jo Jones, who reportedly <laughs> created the Vulcan language. The word was later used for well. the title of a fan-written <laughs> novel by Claire Gabriel, which was later retitled The Thousandth Man. And yeah, why'd they retitle it? That's I, what I, I want to know. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I had a copy of that and I actually read some of it. And it's probably in all oh. that junk I gave you. Uh, I would have to look in the big box, which is on a very high shelf in my garage, <laughs> but um, I could take a look to find it. So I, this thing about the linguist who created the Vulcan language, that from what I know, there was not an official Vulcan language created until they started making the movies and Mark O'Grand got mm -hmm. in contact with those people. So, um, but I, I think that's cool that that was part of uh, Fanon. Should we call it yeah, Fanon? Yeah. I guess it's canon. Yeah. Yep. It's very cool. I, I like that well, a lot. And I, I'm wondering why they retitled the book. That's so interesting. I don't know. But, you know, back in the day before you and I were involved with fanfic, Claire Gabriel was a big deal, and she was part of the years where um, there was no internet, so you were mailing these magazines out and everything. And yeah. Uh -huh. Yep. I, at some point, oh. somebody gave me a whole bunch of stuff, and then I eventually gave most of it, all of it, to you. It is well-traveled. It is, and that's what fandom mm -hmm. was like in those days. Stuff just it made its way around and around yep. and around. That's how it got disseminated. Um that's very interesting. I'm, I'm glad that people are bringing it up. And I think that's one of the really cool things about the current crop of Trek stuff mm -hmm. is that it's not only drawing from its own history, like its own canon mm -hmm. history, but it's drawing from fanon as well, right? right. Like things that were created, um, names and places. Yeah, like and... Sulu's first name. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff comes from fans and not just from what Paramount decided was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. and. I think we've seen a number of examples of that in um, Lower Decks. As oh, well. yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's cool that it's making its way into uh, regular, uh, regular Star Trek. I mean, it's all canon at this point, but yeah, it's very well, cool. And to very me, cool. it's almost an acknowledgement that this is now in some ways a shared universe. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Because the people who are making it are people who grew up with, the fan stuff mm -hmm. right they they have been in some cases really immersed in it it wasn't like stuff that they uh they saw and didn't participate in but actually participated in it like yep. going to conventions and reading and perhaps writing fan fiction all yep. of that stuff it's very cool the alternate search for spock yes this is so interesting i didn't know anything about this did you know no, i this? didn't either which is part of why i put it on the list <laughs> but this uh article is from red shirts always die 
Yes. Okay. The original idea for Star Trek Three, now it scrolled too fast, was so much better than what we got. <laughs> That's this person's the pig- opinion. Um, do you want to summarize? Uh, sure. So it um, has a couple. The, the most salient points here are that it was going to be about Romulans mm-hmm. instead of Klingons fighting with Kirk. And they were going to have a, uh, this is great. They were going to have a, quote, swarthy and, quote, <laughs> handsome Romulan commander to play against Kirk, possibly taking inspiration from the original series episodes, Balance of Terror, mm-hmm. but also clearly from Wrath of well, Khan. Right? Yeah. Like, that worked so well. So hey, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, the core of the movie would have seen a reborn but feral Spock picking off the Romulans who had come to Genesis. And then eating them? Some, uh, mind- uh, not not stated here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the part that I thought was most interesting. Um, one of the best bits of drama attached to the film was the inclusion of Vulcan wanting to secede from the Federation due to the creation of the Genesis planet. This would have created some serious conflicts, something Star Trek revels in. And I love that idea. I think that would have been so interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, just what makes the Federation the Federation? And when do you decide as a Federation member that somebody has crossed a line and gone too far and you're just not going to be part of it anymore? Um, What specifically would have been their gripe? This is what I want to know. <laughs> you know, like I could think of a, a couple of different things, right? I think the as was stated in Wrath of Khan, like the potential for it to be this weapon that would create you know commit genocide if you launched it on a planet that actually had a population is one Mm -hmm. thing and then next to that is the idea of you know you're creating life yes you're you are is that okay i don't know if that's okay is should we be doing this and it doesn't seem like there had been a lot of thought given to that you know Mm -hmm. we didn't stop to think about whether we should and i could see either of those two reasons being um a a deal breaker for them. I can also think of, uh, in the Federation, all the member planets, I believe are supposed to be sharing information and that the Mm -hmm. Federation was doing all this research in secret. Oh, yes. You know, it's kind of like some other country finding out that our CIA tried to assassinate Castro at the time we were doing it you know yes yes I agree 100% I think that could absolutely be Mm -hmm. it um not to to harp on this but I was the TNG episode that I watched after Discovery was the one um called the Pegasus Mm -hmm. and the plot of that one was that an admiral uh not commandeered but he had the Enterprise going to retrieve this ship called the Pegasus that Riker had been on 12 years ago and the ship had been lost and it was assumed destroyed but now they found it and they have to recover it and it's all classified because the Federation had been developing a cloaking device and that was completely in uh, flagrant violation of one of the treaties that they'd signed with the Romulans Mm -hmm. yeah and so it had been kept classified because nobody was supposed to talk about it and find out about it and in the end you know Riker being Riker he stands up and reveals all this and it you know, right. he has to go to, to a court martial and all the rest of it, but he does the right thing in the end. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that causes people to leave, yeah. you know, the Federation yep. or the EU or NATO or whatever, you know, well, it's like, at one point, that's a reason. I had a story idea that was a follow up to um, 
the cloaking device one in TOS with the Romulan mm. commander. Okay, yeah, where yeah. Kirk sneaks aboard and steals it. And the colonel, the key to this story was that when she found out about it, Brant was furious. Because, mm -hmm. first of all, that branch of Starfleet has no business doing this special ops sort of thing. Yeah. And secondly, they already had a plan that would have worked. They were putting it into play, <laughs> and it would have done it without all the hubbub. Uh-huh, yeah. Let the experts do it. I always thought that was kind of an interesting idea, but nothing ever came of yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yes, it would have been really interesting to find out about these things, and I wish that they had done that. That would have been super like political in, mm -hmm. in a really in a real way yeah. you know not like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand or something <laughs> you know it was like a real actual yes. issue where you're not just pissed off about something it's like hey this is a moral thing mm -hmm. and we can't support this so I would have liked to have seen right. that very much so what a shame maybe they'll take it up again I mean who knows what's going to happen um I hope that in the next season of Discovery anyway they explore a little more of who's in the Federation and who's not in the Federation and why they might want to be part of it or mm -hmm. not be part of it. That would be good. They haven't quite dealt with that yep. yet, but I hope yep. they get to it. Um, I will tell you my theory about why this didn't go any further. Uh, please, I would love to know. If they got to the point where they showed the idea or a draft of the script or anything to William Shatner, he would have mm -hmm. shot it right down. The whole story why? is about Spock. <laughs> there is not enough or any Kirk in it. All right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I am sure. I am sure that that's it. Yeah. Not enough lines. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. That, that. Yep. Definitely. You're right. You're absolutely Yay. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I don't think there's anything else that we had on our list, it's correct? No, we We've covered everything. Oh boy. Well, um, I oh I, I did want to mention one last thing. There's a new sure. documentary about Star Trek called The Untold Story, and it's on this channel called Reels, which is spelled R-E-E-L-Z. Well, I use the Reels website to find out that it, to search for a particular movie I want to see, and it will tell me you need Showtime, or it will tell me it's on Hulu. Okay. It's a very well, useful cool. website, so I'm going to, I didn't know they had their own listings, so I'm going to have to look into that. Apparently and it's do. called The yeah. Untold Story? Yes, yeah, Star Trek, oh, The cool. Untold Story. I couldn't actually find a lot of information about it, except uh, I did find a, a short review mm -hmm. by uh, a blog that's called JB Spins, and I don't know if that's the name of the person or whether that's JB who spins. <laughs> um so he says, uh, hold on, uh, it boasts relatively fresh interview footage with Walter Koenig. There is a good deal of time devoted to the initial rivalry between Shatner and Nimoy. Um, it gives Paul Fix his due as the second doctor. So that's kind of mm -hmm. nice. Uh, it's always fun to revisit Trek. Most of the interviews are called from archives. Um but Bijo and John Trimble get to tell their story, so that's mm -hmm. cool. If you don't, he says, if you don't get Star Trek by now, Reels probably won't be the ones to explain <laughs> it to you. Right. For fans, though, Trek nostalgia never gets old. Right. So we're just sitting here so, nodding our heads, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I I think uh, that might be fun to watch. So if anybody has seen that, uh, we'd love to know what you thought about it, whether it was any new information or old stuff or what, because you know. 
there's always there's usually some little nugget of something new mm-hmm. in any Trek documentary that you see. Or some new rumor. Yes, rumors as well. This is true. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this particular episode of, uh, I'll say the name of our podcast, which is called Look at His Butt. You know, it's so funny. I actually tweeted something the other day because um, the official Star Trek tweet, Twitter, as if I could talk, the official Star Trek Twitter account was pushing some podcasts that are now being done by uh, cast members, mm-hmm. you know, that's a th- that's what podcasts are about now. It's like, oh, let's get the cast members on here to talk about their experiences and stuff. And they're like, oh, check out Star Trek podcast. This is great. And this one has, you know, Robert Picardo. Mm-hmm. And this one has this person. And so as a response to that, I just tweeted, amateurs, <laughs> we have been doing a Star Trek podcast since 2005. Well, um, Wesley Crusher has had a podcast where he talks about Discovery. Well, yeah, it's called the Ready Room, yes. and yeah, yeah, they do that after they do it after the Picard episodes mm-hmm. as well, where he interviews people. So that's cool. I've watched mm-hmm. it, and it's pretty fun, you know, just getting to see the actors talk about what they did or what they didn't right. do. So that's cool. So now that everybody has decided that podcasts are actually worth doing, they're all jumping in. They're, yep. they're, they're trying to get into our territory, which offends me a little bit, but well, that's okay. You know. Ours, is, ours better. is better. Ours is old. I mean, ours is ours, ours is, is a foundational podcast. Yes, everybody exactly. listens to it and they go, "I got to do better than this." <laughs> we are the historical documents. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yep. It is very true. All right. So we'll wrap it up now. Uh, we wish you a very happy Shatmoy. We'll probably be back to do another uh, maybe Shatmoy related episode at some point. Um, but in the meantime, I hope you all are doing well. Thank you so much for listening and giving your comments. Come hang out with us on Facebook. It's pretty fun. Stuff gets posted there all the time. Um, and, you know, let us know what you think about Discovery and Picard, whether you're enjoying it or if you hate it or, or just like what's going on. And... Let us know how you plan to celebrate Shatmoy. Yes, we want to know everybody's Shatmoy thing. Are you having a viewing party? Are you having a cake? What are you cake. doing? <laughs> cake. Always cake. I would crawl cake across death. the desert for cake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. And until the next time, live long and potluck. I was almost going to say live long and podcast, and I went... Wait, that's oh, that not too. how it goes. <laughs> no, potlucking, podcasting. You it's know, it's all, all good. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.